Hey guys, what's up? This is uh, week 55. I got a bunch of stuff to review for you. I got a weekly western, a VHS voyage, a pick a movie. So I got all sorts of stuff. Uh, I want to let you guys know that um, next week, next Saturday, will probably be the drawing. The contest ends May 31st. So by the time you see this, you won't be able to enter anymore. So it doesn't really, I'm not going to explain the contest again. But uh, for the MVD Rewind, uh, it'll be drawn next Saturday. Uh, the last day to enter was May 31st. And uh, also, I noticed that some people were saying they had trouble posting their questions on the Screaming Toilet uh, page. Uh, if that ever happens, um, just leave it on the YouTube uh, underneath the comments, and I'll get to them. Uh, so sorry about that. Uh, and if you have a question for this one, just leave it on the Screaming Toilet. If you can't, leave it on the YouTube. I'll get to it eventually. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, let me hop right into the first review. This is uh, Odds Against Tomorrow. This is a 1959 movie from Olive Films. Uh, I had never seen this. This has uh, Robert Ryan, uh, Shelley Winters, Ed Bagley, Ju Ed Bagley, not Ed Bagley Jr., and uh, Harry Belafonte, which is kind of strange. You know, the Calypso singer is what I knew him from. I knew that he had uh, dipped into movies a bit, but I hadn't really seen anything that he was starring in. Uh, Robert Ryan's in a slew of stuff. Some of my favorites, like The Dirty Dozen and uh, The Wild Bunch. And Shelley Winters is in hundreds and hundreds of movies, from the big stuff like The Big Knife to uh, some of the crummy movies later on in her careers uh, her career like tentacles uh yeah this one is a very strange movie uh we have this uh, crime heist. We have three desperate guys down on their luck. Ed Bagley is this ex-cop, and he wants to put these two guys together to kind of do this uh, robbery at a bank when they're counting money. He has everything planned out, everything figured out. And uh, that's basically the setup of this movie. Uh, Robert Ryan is uh, an ex-criminal. He has a violent past. He's very intimidating. He's very scary, and he has a very short temper. His accent in this movie is great. He just plays a very unique character that I've never seen him play play before uh usually he's kind of like an uptight kind of military he's usually uptight uh but military kind of guy but this one's a bit different uh he is he's very intimidating and scary shelly winters plays his uh his girlfriend and uh harry belafonte is this gambler who um He's a, like a musician in a club, but he owes uh, this mobster money, and he just is a reckless person, too. And uh, Harry Belafonte and Robert Ryan have a lot of problems. They, they're just kind of uh, people that are on the edge and kind of at their last, uh, at the end of their rope. And so they don't have much uh, else to live for. Uh, in this, and they're they're kind of pushed against the wall. Harry Belafonte has a family that he wants to provide for. Robert Ryan wants to be, you know, the main breadwinner, and he's feeling demasculated because Shelley Winters is bringing in the money. And uh, Ed Bagley is just, uh, you know, he seems desperate as well. So they set this whole thing up, and most of the movie is uh, showing their lives and showing who they are and showing what kind of people they are. And uh, Robert Ryan comes from Oklahoma, his uh, old family. You learn that he is a racist piece of crap. And uh, Belafonte has a short uh, hair trigger as well. They both have this aggressive nature about them. So right when they meet, it's just almost fireworks right off the bat. And that sets up, you know, for the end of the movie and everything like that. Um, what this movie does so well, besides establish its characters and show a lot of drama with them, is... Uh, 
The anticipation. Never have I felt so much anticipation before a bank robbery in a movie. Uh, everything about it. Uh, I just felt super nervous for it. And uh, Robert Ryan has a line in this movie that says, it's not the action that got to me. It's the it's the anticipation. It's the waiting. And that's exactly what the movie is. It's this uh, suspenseful anticipation and the building and everything like that. And you know the plan beforehand. So you're watching it go out in uh, every way and you're just waiting for something to mess up. And, uh, of course, you know, this movie has a horribly dark kind of tone to it. So, you know, it's not going to go out uh, on a high note or a happy note. But uh, the the, uh, allegory here is beautiful. Uh, Some of these characters are destroyed by their own rage, their own hatred, their own racism. And at the end of the day, it doesn't, the line at there, I don't want to spoil it, but it doesn't matter. You know, it, it doesn't matter who they were in, at life at, at that point. That's, that's all I'm going to say. But uh, there's some great performances in here. I thought that the acting was all around top-notch. Uh, and even if they were flawed characters or bad people in a lot of ways, I generally liked all the characters and I wanted them to make it, uh, which says a lot. Um, it, it's well shot. There's lots of great stuff, uh, lots of good setups. Uh, it's just a really well-made movie that looks great. It sounds great. Uh, I'd never seen it. It was made in 1959. It has it has some really good things going for it. Uh, lots of suspense, lots of uh, well-acted moments, and it's shot really good, too. Uh, looks great. That's uh, Odds Against Tomorrow. There's only a trailer included on the disc, but I would I would really recommend it. Uh, it's got to be one of my favorite. It's probably my favorite Robert Ryan performance that I've seen. Uh, better than Deke Thornton from Wild Bunch, and that, that says a lot, so. I'm crazy. You're counting your fingers and toes. I'm talking about five o o o o. I'll take that drink. Why make you so big you can call me up to this dump and shoot off your mouth? I got an idea. That's why, Slater. How would you like to pick up fifty thousand dollars all in small bills, just for yourself? yourself, Ingram. You're just another black spot on Main Street. Shut that ugly mouth of yours, or I'll get in the car. Someday I'm going to snap off your poisoned head. Listen to me, Johnny. Back up, Burke. The odds will never be right. I know how to handle him. I've been handling him all my life. He's no different because he got him a $20 pair of shoes. All right, Slater. Handle me. The next time you call me, I'm going to see you. I'll be waiting. You're not just another white spot to me. At night, I tell you, people, when that cold, cold sun goes down, I cry, I sigh, I want to die, cause my baby's not around.
the next one again from Alo Films. This is Cold Turkey. I know they talked about this one on uh, the Pierce Cinema podcast, or was it just a disc? Uh, Brian Seller talked about this. He's a big fan of it. This one's made in 1971. Uh, I believe it's Norman Lear uh, worked on this, who worked on a lot of TV, and it stars Dick Van Dyke. You know, I'm going to be honest. Dick Van Dyke show was way before my time. I know mostly Dick Van Dyke from the Dick Tracy 1990 movie. So saying that, uh, Cold Turkey, this is uh, a brilliant uh, satirical comedy. Um, it's a wonderful movie. Uh, the plot is insane. It uh, To make uh, Save Some Face, the tobacco company offers or $25 million to any town in America that can quit smoking for a month. Uh, this small town, it's down on its luck, and Dick Van Dyke is this reverend, and he kind of goes to town the town and gets them all worked up, gets them all built up, and uh, and uh, builds up the parish, and then moves on to the next uh, town. This town he's in used to be this uh, military town, and it's kind of a deserted, kind of a ghost town. Nothing's really happening here, but the people are simple. They're good-natured. They're all good, and, and mostly, like, they, they are flawed, but they... They have genuine personality, and for the most part, they're good people. Of course, they decide to try to do this 30 days um, without smoking, and uh, tons and tons of comedy ensues. This movie's filled with a lot of familiar character actors and comedians and all sorts of great actors. Uh, the mayor slash barber, that's the kind of small town, appears in movies like Death Wish 1 and 2. There's uh, all, the wife, uh, Edith, from All in the Families in here, uh, in a great role, Uh the grandfather from the Lost Boys is in here. Dick Van Dyke's brilliant, and uh, he gives a really good performance, you know, on a lot of levels here because he understands uh, the complexity of, you know, kind of selling out and uh, losing one's soul to this kind of uh, idea of greed. And this town turns into a media circus. There's people out there selling all sorts of things uh, out, out there with, like, masks of all the characters, and there's it sets up a lot of good moments. Uh, I was kind of impressed with it, and there's some really great, great great comedic gags in here uh when they filmed the church uh, this movie's way ahead of its time for a lot of the humor but when they filmed the uh church uh you know on Sunday, the the news people are filming it, and they're basically giving them all direction. And uh, at one point, it cuts to all the people. They know they're on camera, so they're giving like cheesy grins, and it cuts to the mayor singing the hymn, and he's just cheesing it up, just grin ear to ear, uh, loving the um, um, uh, you know attention that he's getting and the town's getting, and it's really wonderful. There's this uh, group uh, in there that's just uh, this kind of like fascist group in there that wants to you know uh, basically they're checking every for cigarettes and meanwhile of course they want to stop uh, the tobacco company wants to make sure that this doesn't last um they don't actually make the 30 days because on top of that uh they're they're, they're fear that they'll completely lose business uh so the whole town erupts in this giant circus and a bunch of crazy individual weirdo people are coming in here uh this is the first time i've ever seen m emmett walsh with dark hair i didn't know he ever wasn't old he still is balding in this movie but this is 1971 this is the first time i've ever seen him in a movie uh also what if woodfree uh parfrey uh i could never say his name he pops up in outlaw josie wales and charlie varick's in here just a slew of people in this movie they all give great performances my favorite gag in the movie is the reverend is a very very health conscious guy and he's jogging through this whole small town and it goes over the house it's on a wide shot and you're going through the whole town and you uh are going by each house and everybody's coughing and wheezing because the town is uh they smoke so much this is a big smoking town that's all they do but uh it's just uh 
has a great small town feel, has unlimited amounts of humor. It feels very big. There's tons of cast members, and each person gets their due. It's just a lot, a lot of comedy going on here. And there's a bunch of reoccurring gags that uh, pay off and stuff like that. Like there's this one character who's on the council that's supposed to be important, but he never says a word. He's always just sitting there in overalls. Love that gag. Uh, and the ending's pretty dark, to be honest. And it's uh, not necessarily a one-sided kind of, you know, straightforward ending. I mean, you know, like dark or black. It's very gray. And, uh, you know, it, it's a great movie, to be honest. Uh, I laughed a lot. Uh, I thought it was very clever. And I thought it was really, really good. Uh, a trailer as well. Both these movies have subtitles, but that's it. It looks pretty good, too. I love the look of it, uh, you know, how it's filmed and everything like that. And I... Really enjoy, you know, uh, that kind of film stock they used. It just gives it a, it fits into this like small town feel. And the opening shot of this movie is brilliant as well. It uh, follows a dog going through the whole town, and right away they show you, they don't tell you what's wrong with this town and how it's pretty much uh, down on its luck and they don't have any money. And then uh, it goes to like, I think the population sign or one of the signs that a dog takes a leak on the sign. I don't know how they got the dog to do that or if there's cuts in that one or, but uh, it looks really great. Really, really good stuff. Good evening. I'm hardly reasonable. And I'm Mike Walrus, and this is Tell the People. It was just over a month ago that Hiram Grayson, president of the Valiant Tobacco Company, made the incredible offer of $25 million to any town in America that could stop smoking for 30 days. Surprisingly, the other tobacco companies were enthusiastic about this offer. David Chetley talked to the president of United Tobacco. The Valiant Tobacco Company's cold turkey project is in its 11th day. How do you feel about it now? I told you to leave me the f alone. David Gently, Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> Hiram Grayson's offer wasn't as irresponsible as some people thought, however. For a whole family to quit smoking is fairly common. Even a neighborhood might get together and agree to stop. But the thought that an entire town would sign a pledge to kick the habit, even for $25 million, staggers the imagination. Still, one American town, Eagle Rock, Iowa, has done just that. Every smoker has agreed to quit, or they've left town. Our camera crews have That's been That's my line. Uh, sorry, Mike. Our camera crews have been in Eagle Rock since the beginning of the experiment, which they call Project Cold Turkey. The Eagle Rockians are typical small-town Americans with an unusual amount of community pride, which has helped them to stand the strain of sudden and complete withdrawal from tobacco. Project Cold Turkey is now 29 days old, and the excitement is mounting. Correspondent Walter Kranick got to go to Eagle Rock to be in on the finish. David Chetley got to go, too. I could have gone, too, if I wanted to. I just didn't want to. With only one day left, a number of questions still remain unanswered. Can the smokers of Eagle Rock remain true to their pledge? I, I had five gherkins before I decided to laugh them in salami. And this is my second carrot. That's two carrots, six slices of salami, 11 gherkins, and I haven't counted it. And it isn't even 7 o'clock yet. Will Project Cold Turkey be made an example by the American Medical Association? This is him. No. You may come at your own risk. And I'm going to take that cigarette away from you. But I've never, I've never operated without having a cigarette first. For God's sakes, let him smoke. And finally, is there a plot afoot to sabotage the project? But he's a communist. Look at them cigarettes. This, uh, this car's a rental. Sure, and I'm an unwed mother. Only the next 24 hours will answer these questions. This is Mike Walrus. And I'm hardly reasonable. Good night. Oh, no! No, no! no!
Big, big clock's are never wrong! Uh, what do you say we fly out to Eagle Rock, Hardly, and see how it all turns out? No, Mike, I think I'll wait until the picture comes to this theater. The next one here is from Severn Films. I'm super happy this got a United States release. This is Zombie 3 uh, by Lucio Fulci and Bruno Mattei and Claudio Fagresso, which uh, three directors in here. So, uh, yeah, if you guys don't know the history of Zombie, uh, the original in, in Italy and Europe, uh, Zombie is called... Well, mostly Italy. Zombie is Dawn of the Dead. Zombie 2 is Lucio Fulci's zombie over here. And Zombie 3 is Zombie 3 here. For some reason, they didn't call it Zombie 2. Long story, very confusing, but pretty much it's known everywhere as Zombie 3. Uh, I still call it Zomba 3. I don't know why. I always have. That's what I always was uh, broadcasted to me or shown to me. But uh, this is a crazy movie. This is supposed to be kind of like Lucio Fulci's masterpiece. This is made in the late 80s or maybe mid-80s, I can't think. Uh, Claudio Fregresso wrote part of it. Uh, Fulci got sick uh, on the set of this, and he was very unhappy with how they were rushing him and how things were being done, the production company. So he quit halfway through, and they left it up to Bruno Mattei to finish. And you can definitely tell because there's these, like, it is like, I, like I would say, a sinister touch by Fulci and a forceful fist by Bruno Mattei. Bruno Mattei was a Schlockmeister or master. I'll say not master. Uh, monster but uh he's a master at this kind of stuff he would he made a career out of cash-ins and stuff like that and cheap movies that are vastly entertaining robo war all sorts of stuff hell of the living dead so um zombie three uh follows this uh, like this uh kind of um uh, government experiments called like death, death serum one or something like that. Uh, of course it leaks out. It gets in the Philippines. Uh, this movie is shot in the Philippines. So, you know, there's no boundaries there and it's directed by Italian, uh, people back in the, not the heyday, but so you can expect exploitation and sanity. Uh, what happens is ridiculous plot points lifted over the top action, crazy nonsense. The atmosphere is super thick and the lighting is, is overdone. Like you could just see these greens pouring in, uh, tons of fog falling through the movies. Nonsense. It's super gory. Uh, it's super entertaining. The music's awesome in it. And uh, there's some generally scary moments. There's some crazy stuff like zombie babies, flying heads, all sorts of crazy stuff. Uh, gratuitously gory in moments. And uh, it even kind of pays homage to the original zombie with the newscaster in a lot of ways. It's not a perfect movie by any means. I mean, it is a mess. But... Uh, it's a lot of fun, to be honest. On the disc, they include an interview with uh, Claudio Fogresso and uh, his writing partner, uh, Rosa, what was her name, uh, Drudy, uh, Rosalina Drudy. And uh, this is a continuation of the other stuff. Like, they talk on the other hell disc. It seems like all these were shot in one point, uh, one point together All the when they're on disc and they were cut up to fit the movies. But I love listening to these two talk. They go into, like, the details, why Fulci quit, how they uh, finished the movie, and how Bruno Mattei took over, all sorts of stuff. All the old stuff from the Shriek show disc are ported over so that is awesome there's also a commentary on here which is hilarious which has two of the actors in there one who would become a director did stuff like death warrant and they trashed this movie they have fun with it uh they they laugh at it they uh mention Fulci. they're like i don't even remember bruno Mattei being on set stuff like that but uh yeah i love this movie i think it's a lot of fun it looks good it sounds good comes with the soundtrack i think it's a real winner i think if you love this movie or if you like crazy zombie movies from italy or movies from the philippines that are insane check it out i would put it on something like the caliber of like hell of living dead or nightmare city or burial ground stuff like that really really fun stuff and it's a great release
This is the year zero. Che ha avuto all'inizio. Anche quando era in preparazione, avevamo. Un personaggio, immagino, un mostro. Era facile, era facile. realizzarlo con le persone fisiche. E, e poi Fulci mi ha richiamato a fare. You don't know what they're gonna do. That's what's good about it. chiamato After Death per almeno è stato cambiato il titolo dopo cioè questa era una The next one here is Zombie 4, After Death. I mean, what's Zombie 3 without Zombie 4? This one's actually directed by Claudio Fragresso. He kind of worked his way up, right? He worked on Hell of the Link Dead and uh, Zombie 3, and then he finally gets to direct his own zombie movie. This technically wasn't really a zombie sequel. They just named it later. So it's really After Death. This one, I believe, is also filmed in the Philippines, and it's written by uh, Claudio Fragresso and uh, Trudy again. Yeah, I've always loved this movie. I saw this movie very young, so there's some nostalgia in here for the for me, for sure. It opens up with a crazy voodoo curse, and this island is a swarm of zombies. Uh, uh, we're back in it. We're fast forward to present day, I guess you'll say. And uh, this uh, young woman and a group of Vietnam mercenaries are on a boat. This young girl starts to have flashes, and you realize it's the young girl from the very beginning of the movie who escaped the island. She gets on the island, and there is, uh, of course weird zombies on here and all sorts of weird voodoo things uh it's it basically turns into a siege movie at one point where these vietnam vets find a, a stockpile of guns and they have to fight off the zombies i really enjoy this movie i think it's a lot of fun uh i like that the, the vietnam vets have like uh you know the mercenaries have like a friendship between each other uh, you'll recognize a couple of the mercenaries one's don the dragon wilson and the other is uh pops up in robo war so yeah, uh, I like I like how they uh, you know have this bond with each other. The movie gets completely bonkers. It has a, a lot of gore in it in the beginning and end in particular. Splatterific. Uh, lots of action in it. Uh, it's got good music as well. Very similar to Zombie 3 kind of music. I mean, well, the main theme in here. It also has Jeff Stryker, who I did not know was a, a, a gay porn star or a bisexual porn star. I learned that in the special features. I had no idea he was. And I was like, wow, that's strange that he's in this. But yeah. Um, there's going to be a, a breaking point for a lot of people in this movie. I remember originally watching it. I was pretty young, like 13, 14. And, uh, the zombies have machine guns. When the, when the Vietnam guys get bit or they turn, 
they retain their knowledge. So not only are they using guns, but they're talking, they're giving full sentences, they're egging each other on to come fight the other ones that are still alive. It's complete nonsense. If you can get over that hurdle, you should enjoy yourself. If you can't, you'll just be so flabbergasted that you might have to turn it off. I myself love it. Um, it has, a, it has a decent amount of atmosphere. It has a lot of stunts. It has a lot of shooting. It never gets boring. It's always entertaining. I love the location on the island. Uh, you know, I even don't even mind the hokey flashbacks and the weird, uh, you know, beginning and end kind of shoehorned in there to tie it all together. Does it really make much sense? No, but they try to incorporate the voodoo, you know, themes that the original zombie had. I don't know if it particularly works, but it, it comes across a very entertaining movie. I really like it. Um... There, I noticed on this disc there's one point when one of the characters talks, but uh, or he's supposed to talk. You see the subtitles go across and uh, nothing comes out uh, of his mouth or the, you don't actually hear it, which is kind of strange. I don't know if that's a mistake in the actual movie because I don't remember that mistake being in there or it's a mistake in the uh, print or what's going on with it. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, it's, it's not a huge deal at all. I think it looks pretty good. It sounds pretty good. This is the only Blu-ray anywhere around the world as far as I know, so that's awesome. Also comes with the soundtrack on the features here includes an interview with Jeff Stryker which is great it ports over the same stuff from the uh, Shriek Show disc and uh, it has an interview with uh, Fregresso and his writing partner again and they go into more depth about zombies and whatnot and I, I, like I said these two are very uh, you know they don't hold back they don't think that they're brilliant or anything and they tell it like it is uh, for the most part when it comes to their movies at least and I, I enjoyed hearing it I, I like the disc I like the movie it's a lot of fun uh, if you like zombie movies again I would put this in a caliber or something like uh you know the nightmare city style stuff so check it out the next one here by bruno Mattei from severn is shocking dark aka terminator 2 this one I had not seen. This is one of the Bruno Mattei kind of famous ripoffs that I hadn't seen. You know, if anybody, like I said, seen has movies like Robo Wars, like mostly Predator and part Robocop, this one is mostly Aliens, part Terminator. This one, uh, yeah. It basically follows the story of a megaforce, which is a bunch of uh, marines that are sent into this uh, scientific facility to check if there's any survivors. They're sent in with this guy from the company that owned the uh, building and whatnot. And that guy obviously has some uh, tricks up his sleeve. His name is Samuel Fuller. I My eyes rolled so hard when I heard that. I was like, like the famous director, Samuel Fuller? Come on, give me a break. But it made me laugh a lot. And within the first 20 minutes, I never heard so much over-the-top ridiculous race. Uh, racist uh, comments and uh, dialogue in a movie. And uh, it's so stupid, though, it's inoffensive. G Greta Greta's in this from Demons and a bunch of other stuff. She's the best actress in the movie. She's the one of the only rays of sunshine for me in here, along with some of the production design. But of course, you guessed it, the Megaforce goes in and they run into, not aliens per se, but you run into these uh, muckmen humanoids from the deep kind of creatures from the Black Lagoon, uh, toxic kind of um, pollution monsters. Yeah, it's also a future movie, so they have that going for them. And they're picked off. The dialogue is uh, a lot of it's verbatim from Aliens. Some of the shots are from Aliens. Um, a lot of the acting, it doesn't look particularly dubbed either. I'm not sure. It, 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 if it's dubbed, it looks great because I couldn't tell dubbing. But the acting, besides Greta Greta, is the some of the worst acting I've ever seen, personally. I mean, like, they would make SOV actors blush. It, it's bad. It is rough. And they're ridiculous characters, too. Like, they're so over the top. We have, like, a surfer and this and a, a Italian guy who's speaking in, like, you know, a broken accent. And in the opening of the movie, there's this guy who's uh, being attacked on the monitor. And his acting is... Uh, 
absolutely hilarious. I, I don't know any other way to put it. I love Greta Greta in the movie. She's ridiculous. But uh, yeah, by the end of the movie, they uh, ex machina a time, uh, a time jump kind of deal, which I think that's the proper term you'd use. It comes out of nowhere. Is that what we're going with with it? But yeah, it comes out of nowhere. It's completely uh, not uh, um, brought up any other point in the story. It just comes out of the nowhere, and uh, it turns into the Terminator, of course. It's ridiculous. Uh, I was actually watching this with Jeremy and Jeremy. Um, when the creatures were getting shot, they were basically making that uh, stock uh, sound of the eagles when you hear eagles fly over. And he said, I'm done. I'm out of here. Halfway through the movie, he got up and said, I can't do this one. So if that tells you anything, uh, the features on here include an uh, interview again with Claudio and his uh, writing partner. I enjoyed seeing that. Uh, Greta Greta also is on the special features, and she talks about you know her uh, career with uh, Bruno Mattei and working on Hell of the Living Dead and all sorts of things. That was really nice to see. And She still looks great. She still looks the same, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, uh, this one looks great and sounds great, and uh, it it's worth checking out for some laughs, but it is by far the weakest of the three. It's just, it becomes so hard to watch and think, not think about how they didn't get sued because this is, this, I mean, Robo Wars pretty rough about ripoffs, but uh, this one is just as bad about ripoffs and just even more cringeworthy to me. I, I enjoy Robo War. This one I enjoy, but only on a, a level of just, it's insane to me. Like I, I actually love zombie three and four. This one, I'm just like, this is, this is bad, man. This is bad. But, uh, Severn did a great job with the release. And, uh, I think if I watched it with some other people, you get a lot of laughs with it, but by yourself, you might just kind of, uh, you know, Hey, check this out. Biggest video of the year. It's here now. Shocking dark. Ciao, I'm Jaretta Jaretta. I play Megaforce Warrior Costner, the future's most fearsome alien fighting badass, the most elite, unstoppable, proficiently lethal soldier of all time, a force unlike any other. Being part of a movie like Shocking Dark is the ultimate thrill for a performer. And now, Shocking Dark is about to become the ultimate performer for you. Severance online ad campaign will have every genre fan a waiting street date. Get set for the biggest and most exciting event in the history of video. Shocking dark. Okay, the next one is from the MVD Rewind label. This is The Return of Swamp Thing. Uh, yeah, by Jim Wynorski. Jim Wynorski's directed hundreds of movies. He wrote Sorceress. What else? Chopping Mall he directed. Lots of stuff. Guy's still working today. Came from the, uh, I think he got to start with the Corman School cutting trailers together. So, yeah, the guy can make a movie on a buck. Um, Return of Swamp Thing. Growing up, I loved Swamp Thing. Uh, I love the the live action show, the cartoon show. I had the toys, and uh, you know, I'm not sure if I ever saw Return of Swamp Thing in a, in its whole. I know I've probably seen it on TV here and there, but it, to watch it, I was like, okay, this is going to be fun. Um, it has Heather Locklear in one of her first roles, which kind of shocked me, and uh, yeah. Basically, Arcane's not dead. He didn't die. I'm not a big fan of the original Swamp Thing, believe it or not, by Wes Craven. Love Wes Craven. Like Adrian Barbro. Love Ray Weiss. Love Nicholas Worth. Love David Hess. That movie goes at a snail's pace. This one uh, is pretty much an improvement on everything. Uh, this is way more comic booky. But Arcane's not dead yet. He's out there trying to, you know, 
make him make himself live forever, but he needs his uh, stepdaughter Heather Locklear, her DNA. He needs part of Swamp Thing, all sorts of things. So yeah, that's basically the plan here. And Arcane's monsters and all his uh, weird Doctor Moreau uh, kind of scientific experiments are breaking out into the swamp and killing people. Uh, the opening's great because it sets all these uh, agents up against this uh, leech man who is probably the best special effect in the movie. But uh, it's like WrestleMania here. We have Swamp Thing just wrestling all these monsters here and there. That stuff's all entertaining. Uh, it's super cheesy. It is really a kid's movie in a lot of ways. It, it's entertaining. There's lots of shooting. It never gets too violent, never gets too sleazy, but there is, uh, you know, some... Uh, Definitely uh, vocal puns here, or not vocal, uh, verbal puns here. Well, they'll say things like that, uh, that may be uh, considered a little dirty. But they do a lot of cuts that are super fun in this movie. Will they say, will they have a scene where somebody says, doesn't anybody ever knock? And then it will cut the swamp thing busting in the door and saying, knock, knock. They have a lot of fun with it. It feels like a comic book. And that that's a plus. The swamp thing suit looks great. Every once in a while, you'll see some of his skin on his hands. But that's expected. They're filming in a in a in swamp in Georgia, and it's the humidity's ridiculous. But every once in a while, you see some hand. But I thought the Swamp Thing creature looked great. I thought Swamp Thing's performance was great. I really love Swamp Thing in this movie. I thought Heather Locklear knew what kind of movie she was in, and I thought she was playing it well. I thought it was fun. Um, and uh, all around, it has enough creatures in there to keep me entertained. They add in like a cockroach man, an elephant man, a hippo man, a lizard man, all sorts of things. There's plenty of gooey special effects. It never crosses the line of being too violent for its rating. And I think this is a perfect uh, gateway movie for people to check out. There's interviews with uh, the editor on here who, uh, you know, did a lot. Uh, Jim Wynorski gives her props in the interviews and stuff like that. There's an interview with Jim Wynorski, the producer, the editor, uh, and there's a commentary with all them, a new one and the old one. So uh, Wynorski doesn't hold back. He didn't like uh, Arcane, the guy who played Arcane, and uh, he tells a lot of great stories about the movie. He tells uh, about the heat and all sorts of things, and about her editing. And he he's not he gives people props when they deserve it, and. Uh, he talks about Swamp Thing, and it's nice to see that he actually went out and read comics and grew up with the comics and stuff like that. It's a nice release. It looks really good. I didn't see any subtitles on there. Maybe I, I couldn't turn them on with remote, which was kind of a down downer on there. But uh, that's the only complaint I had about the release. It looks good. It sounds good. They have uh, these two kid characters in there that are basically doing like an Abacastella, Laurel, and Hardy kind of deal where they're just, you know, bickering back and forth trying to get a picture of Swamp Thing. It's cute. It's uh, a little too cutesy sometimes. Makes you want to throw up a little bit. But it's all in good form. I enjoyed the movie. I wish I would have saw this when I was a kid. Maybe it would be on the same caliber as something like a Monster Squad, which not, maybe not as good as Monster Squad, but you know, something along those lines. I think they did a great job with this movie, uh, and this release, and uh, it, it was really fun checking it out. The big green guy is back. They call me Swamp Thing. You're a plant. He's come back to settle a score. Find him and bring him in. He's got a grudge because they turned him to slug. I believe this is yours. What? The return of Swamp Thing. Starring Louis Jordan. What did you do? Sell your soul to the devil? Let's just say he has a lease with an option to buy. Heather Locklear. 
She can get in my veins any time she wants to. Why can't men be more like plants? I mean, you can stroke a plant and it doesn't get the wrong idea. And swamp thing. But I can't give you the kind of love you want. Why not? I'm a plant. That's okay. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> The return of Swamp Thing. He's turning over a new leaf for love. The next one is Black Venus from Arrow Academy. This is a really interesting movie. This is by the director of Blue is the Warmest Color, which I haven't seen. I actually hadn't seen any of this director's work. Uh, this is based on a true story, uh, and it is a super bizarre movie. Uh, it, it's very sad. It's kind of a character study, uh, historical drama. We have this uh, this woman uh, who is supposed to be from this uh, certain tribe in Africa, and this um, South African man is taking her around the the world, France, Britain, and showing her around that she is a, a what do they say, Hottentot, um, which is supposed to be some sort of different descendant uh, uh, evolution uh, from a different monkey or a different ape from that we evolved from, and they're saying they're basically not on the same caliber of human as us, and. At first, uh, she was told that she was going to be basically singing and performing because she's a lovely musical artist and, and dancing, and that's what she was going to do. But the act turns into something more sexual, something more exploitative, something more circus freakish, and, and it really bothers her. And at it gets worse, and it, it puts her into like a downward spiral of alcoholism. And that's the story here and what happened to her. And uh, if you don't know the true story of it, it's a very, very sad, tragic thing, and I don't want to spoil too much about it. But the movie is uh, it's very long. It's over two hours long, and it jumps from place to place, and uh, you just feel worse and worse for this person. And you see how someone could get caught up into this kind of thing and, and not be able to get out at times. Uh, it's a lovely performance from the lead actress. She does a tremendous job in here. It was one of those one-of-a-kind performances that just couldn't really be topped. And, uh, you know, the debauchery that happens to her later on is... Uh, very very sad and it also uh exposes bullshit science in this movie uh how ridiculous it was at the time and how uh horrible the things that they thought and uh how outdated even i mean not doubt how, how outdated some of the practices have become and the way people think and uh their superiority and how disgusting it all can be but uh, it's a it's a well-made movie. I love that uh, the production design is top-notch. Uh, when they visit, like, France and, uh, you know, UK, you see all the characters in the backgrounds. And there, there's a good uh, performance from um, one of the uh, prostitutes who, uh, who becomes friends with uh, the Black Venus. And uh, I, I really, really enjoyed the movie for the most part. I mean, I, as much as you can without... It's very sad, but it's a very well-made movie. And if you want to see a top-notch performance and... Uh, you want to see something like taken from history and made into a, a good movie, then I would really recommend checking this out. There's an interview on here with um, uh, a film, uh, I guess historian or film expert, talking about the director's films and whatnot. And I thought that was pretty interesting. But that's not really the only feature on here. But it's a unique movie that I had not really heard of, and uh, I think it's worth checking out for sure. about to witness a truly remarkable phenomenon. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you the Hottentot Venus! Ah! <laughs> 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 
assurément dans la forme et le grand développement des mâchoires que l'on trouve le plus de ressemblance entre cet autantote et Laurent Houtin. On dit que vous êtes une princesse. C'est vrai Okay, the next one here, I don't have anything to show you. This is a unique movie. This is a a two-part kind of a underground movie called Day uh, Day of the Purple Sun. Is it Day? Yeah, Day of the Purple Sun, part one and two. Uh, it's a German film. Each one is an hour and 15 minutes, so the runtime in total is two hours and 30 minutes. Uh, so, yeah, I put this in. I did not know what to expect. It was sent to me um, online by the lead actress, uh, what is it, Marguerite uh, von, von Stern. And uh, the director is uh, Carson Frank. I had not seen any of his previous work or her previous work, but uh, Carson Frank had been an actor, and he's uh, directed more stuff later on. Uh, I believe this is, like I said, German. But I don't know how to explain this movie, to be honest. It's full of surrealism, full of iconography, Egyptian iconography. Uh, it's a movie about death. It's a movie about preservation of death it's a movie about being in some sort of strange realm of death uh you guys know what kind of i'm talking about i want to say in you know at times in the movies like by lucifer valentine where we're going to these weird trippy headspace think of that without the puke thankfully and uh or something along the lines of it feels like if this movie should be released by on earth films it would fit right in with their catalog there when they get into the kind of like foreign surrealist extremist kind of gross things that's then it would fit into this there's a lot of interesting shots in this movie the lead performance is great really the movie only has two two characters in it two actors more characters different actors it has a uh, marguerite von stern and uh the director is in it as well um and that they, it's very brave performances, uh, abundance with like nudity and doing strange things. Uh, but there's, uh, I'm not sure if this movie's for that many people. I don't think it's even for me. It's just uh, I caught myself uh, gagging many times during the movie uh, and uh, being very queasy and sick to my stomach. Um, there's a lot of uh, dead animals in the movie. I, I'm pretty sure they were dead when they found him. But the character has this on a, this sick uh, fascination with mummifying things. And uh, this is kind of the first half of the movie where she goes around and she's obsessed with her own death and she feels she seems to be sick and dying and she's obsessed with her own death and, you know, trying to carry on her existence and, and not die by doing these things and mummifying these uh, these dead animals to kind of, you know, see how it would be for her. It's very strange, very disgusting and uh, pretty crazy. Um, some of the shots are done out of focus on purpose and they, they, sometimes they become jarring and uh, they make you feel horrible at times. Some of the stuff looks really beautiful. Uh, the lead actress, uh, she gives a great performance. She pretty much drives the whole movie and she seems to have like these kind of a dual like characters in here where she plays like a demon at times and then herself and then her dying self super strange stuff the second half of the movie seems to be more into the actual egyptian realm where it's more uh i guess i'll say violent towards her instead of her just being more you know exploration explorative with animals and it becomes a little bit more gross and with organs and things like that and mummified organs of herself and it, it legitimately was making me ill um 
Like I said, there's a lot of symbolism going on in this movie, and it, it is kind of hard to decipher exactly. But uh, I would guess that the first half of the movie is her just kind of uh, accepting her fate and trying to avoid her death, and the second half is her being in her depth, in her death in this Egyptian realm of it. Uh, like I said, at times there's lots of colors. Uh, there's a couple really grotesque scenes that involve her eating things and. I literally wanted to puke. It it feels very long at times. It, it, it's it's not an easy movie to watch because of the runtime, because of the extreme symbolism and deciphering, and uh, a lot of this imagery is very uh, very hard to take. It, it gets very disgusting at times, and uh, it, you feel nervous in the movie as well. And each scene it lingers on a lot of things. I, I would compare it to uh, what is the Russian director who did stuff like Visions of Suffering and Nails and Philosophy of a Knife. It feels along those lines as well. Maybe something along that mixed with like a Lucifer Valentine thing. But uh, it is original in its own way too. It's it's not like I'm saying this is a rip off of this. There's not quite anything like it it's uh also reminds me of something like flowers by phil stevens it, it's definitely its own league though if you like these kind of movies if you're interested in this kind of stuff there is like a limited edition dvd set going around all the links will be below as always or on the screaming toilet page uh but it's just a, a very unique uh kind of a extreme ride that uh i don't know if i could take it again i don't know if i'll get another ticket on that one or not but i think that a lot of people that you know watch a lot of those like on earth titles will enjoy this one i think that it uh will uh, be some people's favorite movie, and uh, most people will be completely repulsed by it. But uh, it is Days of the Purple Sun. Very good title there, too. And, uh, you know, watching it, I wish I knew more about Egyptian uh, history and, uh, you know, th their, like, uh, you know, fascination with death and whatnot. But uh, crazy, crazy movie.
Okay, we're going to hop into uh, the VHS Voyage this week. This one is from 1990. This is my bootleg of Night Brings Charlie. Uh, I'd seen this a long time ago. And here's my VH, this, VHS. This is from Quest Entertainment. Yeah, The Night Brings Charlie. I always remember to join this one. I, I watched it probably 10 years ago. So when I was revisiting, I'm like, is this going to hold up? And uh, I will say that it did. It's a very short movie, an hour and 16 minutes. So I love seeing that. I'm going to be honest. I like short movies, especially they never wear out their welcome. The Night Brings Charlie follows this uh, small town that has this problem with a killer who is cutting off people's heads. And that's pretty much it. There's a new sheriff in town, and uh, it's a, I believe it's a Texas town. And uh, he's getting pressed by the DA to find out who this killer is. There's also a coroner in here. The, DA, the, the sheriff and the coroner are pretty much the main characters in the movie. And the coroner's daughter, daughters. So he's always worried about them going out. And the killer's just basically picking people off in this small town. And uh, there's this, also this character named Charlie, of course. And uh, he is a former Vietnam vet. And he uh, appears to be disfigured. And he wears this kind of mask. He had disappeared for a while. Comes back in the town. All signs point. All signs point to him as the killer. So that's basically the plot of the movie. Uh, and the rest is it, it's half procedural, trying to find out who this killer is, and half slashing. They managed to incorporate some uh, gratuitous nudity uh, shower scene in here. It makes the time go by quicker, I guess, but uh, it's, it's unneeded, but always welcomed, I guess, in these kind of movies. But uh, the kills, uh, there's a couple that are fairly graphic, and I actually like the characters. And there's a beautiful line in this movie where one of the characters, uh, I don't, without spoiling anything, somebody says, watch out for Charlie, he's a sickie. Um, and the other person responds, yeah, the world's full of them. And... Uh, the way it's delivered is just a great line. The way it's after something's revealed, so it, it it's actually really profound at the moment, and it's way more profound than this movie you would think it is. This this low budget movie uh, tape that came out probably on tape in 1990 could deliver. The director Tom Logan he had done a bunch of he's done a bunch of TV stuff. He's worked in movies forever, so you know I'd really like to see this get a nice release here and there. Are there? I love the twist in the movie. Uh, the sheriff is actually fairly likable. I enjoy it, and it has. You know, it kind of pokes at the bureaucracy of, you know, uh, you know, small town mentality or just the DA and stuff like that in a way. There is some comedic elements mostly done by the uh, dispatcher. She's always making jokes. They do seem a little out of place, although sometimes they are funny. But uh, the sheriff has some great back and forth with the DA in this movie. Some of the dialogue is better than you would expect. And, uh, and, and uh, the twists are uh, pretty crazy at times. Although, so so little bit of characters in the movie that it kind of has to go one way or the other. kind of has to do that. But uh, there's a great line in here where the DA says, Aren't you doing anything to assimilate in this town and catch out this killer? He's like, I'm doing it. Look, I even bought a hat. And he has a sheriff hat and he throws it on the thing, just kind of mocking him. Like a cowboy hat because he's in Texas. He's just kind of mocking the DA and that back and forth. And that's just really great. Um, but... I don't know who owns the rights to this one. I think it's uh, worth checking out. I always love the cover. It's got that uh, kind of like, you would think that it's a scarecrow killer or something like that. But uh, I, I think it's well worth checking out. The runtime's short. It goes by fast. It looks cheap. It has a great small town feel. A couple of the murders are, uh, you know, actually kind of scary. And uh, it has a really good atmosphere, I think. So to be honest, I've always enjoyed it. It's cheap, but it's the kind of cheap stuff I liked watching, going, growing up and watching and stuff. But it's also got a wonderful title the night brings charlie so uh that's the vhs voyage um i would check it out uh if you can find it anywhere hopefully it gets a release so hopefully all these get releases that i'm doing but uh the night brings charlie you really know how to screw up a great night
next one is from 1967, and it is the Weekly Western. Let's go. Why not? Fill your hand, you son of a bitch! Say when. Uh, Will Penny. I actually don't have a copy for you guys. Uh, I, I bought it on Voodoo in HD. There's no Blu-ray of it. There's a DVD. This has Charlton Heston. It's directed by Tom Grease or Tom Grise. I never knew how to say his name. It's Grease or Grise. But uh, yeah, he's the father of actor John Grease uh, from great stuff like Edna's Dead Mother, uh, Terror Vision, Monster Squad, Fright Night 2. Uh, great actor. Uh, most people will know him from Napoleon Dynamite, which I haven't seen. But I've always had a, you know, a soft spot for that actor. I've always enjoyed him. Yeah, but he's the son of this director, and he appears in this movie of course. Will Penny caught my attention. I wanted to watch this one because it has an, a wonderful cast, to be honest. Uh, besides uh, Charlton Heston, it has uh, Joan Hackett, I believe, is in it. Uh, that's the female lead in it. Uh, it also has a great familiar face. Lee Majors, uh, Anthony uh, Anthony Zerby, who pops up with Charlton Heston later in Omega Man. Uh, it also has Ben Johnson, Slim Pickens, uh, Matt Clark, Donald Pleasance, and Bruce Dern. That's a great cast right there. Uh, uh, I was like, I got to see this one. I got to check this one out. Uh, all around, it's a solid Western. It's a standard Western, I think, pretty much, right down the middle. Uh, Sheldon Heston is kind of an older man. He's going. He, he's getting old. He's a, a ranch hand. That's pretty much all he knows what to do is, uh, you know, ranch. Uh, he basically gives up his spot for somebody else to go because he felt bad for him. And that leaves him kind of... Uh, uh, on his own, he ends up uh, finding work at uh, ben, with Ben Johnson, and he's got to go ahead and stay at this cabin and round up all the cattle for everybody. But uh, it gets complicated when he actually uh, bumps into some people that are staying there uh, that they're not supposed to be kind of squatters, this uh, woman and this young boy. Um, and he starts to take a liking to him. It's also vastly complicated because he had a run-in with Donald Pleasance and his boys. Donald Pleasance is this crazy religious kind of fanatic guy. They call him the Reverend, and his kids include Matt Clark and Bruce Dern, and they had a run-in over an elk, and uh, Donald Pleasance wants some revenge. So that's pretty much the plot of the movie. 
uh, he has to deal with, you know, uh, his relationship with uh, the uh, the boy and the woman, and also while worrying about Donald Pleasance and his uh, boys coming after him. And that's the story here. It gets it's gets pretty complicated. Uh, the things I didn't particularly like about the movie, I didn't think the action was filmed all that well. I thought it was a little bit jarring, especially at the end here. Uh, I did enjoy the performances here. And, uh, you know, Charlotte Heston's kind of going for, like, uh, John Wayne, where I don't really belong here, I'm getting old. And I do like that Charlton Heston was we uh, well aware enough that he can't be like, well, I'm just going to go in here and not have any doubts about my age, any doubts about that kind of thing. He plays his age well. He doesn't... He doesn't pull a Steven Seagal or anything where he's jumping around doing stuff he can't do. He knows that he's old and he's uh, exploring that uh, aging kind of a cowboy deal. And I like that. I like that. Um, Donald Pleasance is great in it. He reminds me of kind of his character from Soldier Blue where he's just really kind of over the top and really sleazy. And he has a great scene where he dances. Bruce Dern's also intimidating in it. And they're probably the best part of the movie is Bruce Dern and Donald Pleasance. Uh, I love their kind of stuff, their villainy and whatnot. So that's good stuff. And uh, the sentimentality between uh, the young kid, who's John Grease in this, and uh, Charlton Heston reminds me of the relationship kind of between uh, uh, Charles Bronson and uh, Van Patten and uh, Chino. So they have that going for him too. Um, I like the movie. Charlton Heston does a good performance, like I said, but the movie just kind of falls a little flat in uh, the action department. Uh, I like the ending. He kind of ends on a searcher's note uh, in a way. But I think it's a good movie. I think it's solid. I like that uh, it, it does go on a little too long. And it turns into your fair, fairly typical Western kind of love story at times. Um, but it's worth checking out. And you'll see a lot of familiar faces here. And a lot of good performances. In a, it's a great, a lot of great performances or really good performances in a standard uh, Western script directed fairly decently, if that's what I'll say. But that's Will Penny. I think it's worth checking out uh, if you if you could find it. I know there's a DVD. I believe it's a Paramount. but Or you can check it out in a Voodoo in HD. There were giants of the West, proud names like Shane, men of character living rugged times and moments of greatness. Now another name takes its place beside them. Will Penny, starring Charlton Heston. You ain't seen it has to be! Will Penny, grizzled, tough, a loner, a name deeply etched into the hard land that bred hard men like himself. Bigger inside than the violent life he endured in the vast West as it really was. You ain't fighting proper. You're the one that's down. <laughs> These times bogus. In the classic mold, in the tradition of the great Westerners, Will Penny takes his place now, tall and proud. His is the moving story of a lonely line rider in a world as tough as the Longhorns and the Wranglers who made it their own. Ain't no need for you to tell us them lies. And son, you dealt this hand. I guess you'll just have to play it out. All of you. All of you. Any eyeballing done around here, I'll do it. Will Penny, who lived a life of bitter winters, blazing summers, and vicious men. That's him, all right. He ain't going nowhere we can find him. And we just gonna take our own good time about carving him up. Until he met a woman and a boy, both as lonely 
and full of longing as himself. Don't come any near and this thing may go off. How many people have you shot? Well, I guess there was a few times. How did it feel? Bad. Bad scared before and bad sorry after. You got a, a way of making a man feel like he's a man. Reckon it's just a case of too soon old and too late smart. Look at him. You'd never know he could love just as hard as he could hate. Merry Christmas! <laughs> up slow, but when he gets there, he's hell with a hide-off. Charlton Heston, unforgettable as the character he creates, joins the great ones, turning a frontier into a legend, Will Penny. Serves got nothing to do with it. When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Okay, the pick a movie of the week is, was by Raymond Pierce, and we had a little bit miscommunication. I, he uh, wanted me to review Bubba Hotep, so I put his name in the hat for that, and I said, if that's okay, I'll review that one if you don't get back to me. So I watched it, was getting ready for it, and then he, he wanted something else, but I, I already watched that one, and I didn't have time to watch that one. So hopefully that's all right. Um, I put your name back in the hat for those other ones, or back in the, the baggie uh, for the other ones. But Bubba Hotep, what can I say? Directed by Don Costarelli, starring Bruce Campbell and Ossie Davis, and uh, has appearances by Reggie Bannister, uh, Daniel Roebuck. Uh, I hadn't seen this since it came out. I remember when it came out, I believe it was er, mid-2000s or something like that, uh, and I enjoyed it. I, I did enjoy it. My father enjoyed it. I remember watching it. Uh, the plot is a pretty crazy one. We have uh, Sebastian Half, who is this Elvis impersonator, or maybe he really is Elvis, according to him, in an old folks' home, and uh, and uh, Ossie Davis, who believes he's JFK in an old folks' home, there, and uh, they spot that there's this mummy who is basically sucking the souls out of these old people, and uh, it, it's up to them. Uh, decrepit and old to make one last stand against this mummy and of course no one believes him what ensues is a lot of great uh, comedy in here uh, some slapstick stuff which Bruce Campbell is very familiar with but Bruce Campbell gives a great performance as Elvis or where he thinks he's Elvis you don't really know if he's Elvis but Bruce Willis, uh, Bruce, Willis Bruce, uh, Campbell plays him like he is he thinks he is but uh, it's really a western movie to be honest the the theme of the movie uh, the themes music and otherwise uh movie themes are very western uh it's very going out on your own in your own terms on your own way think the shootest but uh i enjoy that you guys know i like that kind of stuff so uh ossie davis and bruce campbell decide to stand up against this mummy the mummy looks great to me he looks creepy uh the atmosphere in this movie is great who would think that they would be able to do so much with uh old folks home and uh set up all these things here uh, there's some like really dark comedy in here with uh, Daniel Roebuck and uh, the other characters two uh, corners basically they come or pick up the bodies and uh, Daniel Roebuck's always like 
do you ever think about life? And the other guy's just like, shut up. And I, that stuff just tickles my funny bone immediately. Tiny Roll by Reggie Bannister. But uh, it, it's it's really great stuff. There's lots of flashbacks in here. And uh, the way the music's done, you know, it reminds me of the score from Scream 2. The bow, down, down, down. Also used, I think, in Broken Arrow. I think it's the same score. But uh, those little, like, twangy stuff always have, like, a direct, like, line to, like, me sentimentally. I just love it. Uh, and they, they use the scores really perfect in Bubba Hotep. It's got to be one of the best scores for a movie. Like this kind of like Like this kind of thing. But uh, Bruce Campbell gives probably his best performance I've ever seen. I, I love it. And uh, Ossie Davis is also great. I love the, the friendship between the two. I love how they know it's kind of ridiculous, but yet they're still going for it. And uh, they, they bring in these uh, the, a lot of good lines in here that Elvis and JFK said. Um, just just really entertaining movie. And like a lot of people say about Casarelli, he doesn't seem like he's been directing movies forever, for, for years, since the 70s, because he has such a, a, a young spirit in his films. They feel very unique, very creative. And uh, if somebody were to tell me they're going to make a movie about uh, Elvis and an old folks home fighting the mummy, I'd be like, that's going to be really stupid. But he somehow can pull it off and make it all work. And, and it really does work. Uh, I love the special effects, like I said. The mummy looks great. Uh, the flashbacks, how you found out how the mummy got there are well done. Everything about the movie is fairly solid. Uh, and I, I really like the ending of the movie. It, it, it's it's heartfelt, to be honest. It's heartfelt. It looks fairly decent. I don't know if Scream did any uh, pickups, any fixing on this one, but there's interviews, a new interview with Don Casarelli, new interview with Bruce Campbell, and uh, there's a, a bunch of old ported stuff over, which I enjoyed seeing. But yeah, uh, it's, it's also nice to see that Bruce get uh, a good role like this because you know he's very capable of doing this stuff, and he's kind of just sucked into only doing like slapstick, goofy stuff, but he can do it all, and it shows here. I mean, he gets the it's like the best of both worlds for Bruce because he has the fun moments where he's fighting the the scarab like giant beetle and, and then he has the moments of sentimentality and then comedy all at the same time he's funny and uh dramatic all in the same breath and i, I really enjoyed seeing that uh you know good stuff good stuff uh it was nice revisiting always enjoyed it but uh bubba totep by don casarelli it's a it's a winner i'd check it out Home. You were an Elvis impersonator. You fell off a stage and broke your hip? Who was it? 20 years ago. That's where they took a piece of my brain. I got a little bag of sand up there now. Jack, President Kennedy was a white man. They dyed me this color. What we have yet, Shady Rest, is an Egyptian soul sucker of some sort. Some kind of Bubba Hotep. You know, a mummy hiding out, feeding on the sleeping. <laughs> He can just keep on feeling unless he's finally destroyed.
let's go. Stop on you, baby. Okay, guys, we're going to get into the pick a movie. If you guys ever want to enter, uh, leave a comment on the Screaming Toilet uh, page below on the comments or on YouTube and say enter me in a pick a movie or wherever. Send me a message if you'd like. And if you're not drawn, uh, I'll keep you in the hat until you are drawn, and then you'll, you'll have to re-enter. But let's see. Oh, oh, by the way, uh, Prang's movie did come it, uh, off screen, so that will be next week. So this winter will be the week after that. So sorry. So that's why there's a delay. Who won? Okay, we have uh, BizCut Bub Horror Reviews. This was a YouTube name. So uh, hopefully I'll send you a message if I don't hear anything from you shortly. But yep, take that one out. So let me know what you want me to review. Let's get into the Q&A. Andrew DMB. This is kind of a long one, so I kind of paraphrased it. I see you're recently picking up and reviewing a few of Jodorowsky's films, and I'm glad to see that you, as a, I did find them a complete cinema experience. I was wondering any correlation with this director, one I like to find close to as a cinematic experience, Gaspar Noe. Yeah, basically he's saying that, do I have like, those movies get in your head and they stay with you and you can't forget them and they're not really for everybody, but do I have a correlation between Andre Alejandro Jodorowsky and Gaspar Noe's movies? To be honest, I've only watched one of Noe's movies and that was Irreversible. And that, you know, I have I Stand Alone and uh, Enter the Void here, but I guess I never had the itch to watch them because Irreversible was that kind of movie where you just kind of get sick to your stomach and... That's one that I always like. If somebody says, "What's one of the craziest, most disturbing movies?" You got to say Irreversible because you're just like, "Yeah, that's that's rough stuff." But uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky movies to me, they they touch me. Like, they they I think about them, but they're also touching and and very profound in my soul. Like when I see them, I'm like, "Oh, that I get chills." I, I also see a lot of beautiful filmmaking in them. And when I'm only comparing it to Irreversible, which is the only one I've seen, I don't see that beauty in. Gaspar Noe's movies. I see horror. Like, in Alejandro Jodorowsky's movies, I see, like, horror and beauty and all sorts of things. But in Gaspar Noe's Irreversible, I just see kind of disturbing stuff and, you know, hard-hitting in that movie. And it's just, they're not the same to me. I don't put any correlation with those guys. I mean, and the fact that they both are experimental, yes, but that's about it as far as it comes to me. I'm sure maybe Enter the Void's more like that, but... Uh, I, I maybe I'll have to see those. Uh, I'll, I'll eventually watch. I stand alone, enter the void, and stuff. But uh, I, I might need a. I still need like a ten year break after seeing Irreversible. Matt Brown, what are the movies in your collection that you that make you excited on the story of finding it, or just out about looking at a local movie bin? You know, one time I found Naked Vengeance on VHS for fifty cents, and I found Night of the Creeps before the DVD and Blu-ray were out for fifty cents. Stuff like that on VHS always excited me. Uh, I found stuff like August Underground and Allied before I would even go to conventions, and it was kind of rare at the time. This is, we're talking. 13 years ago, finding uh, August Underground and Guinea Pig Flowers and Flesh and Blood and an Allied Record Exchange for 10 bucks a pop. Grab those. I found some good good finds here and there all the time, so that was always nice. Nick Mua, name your favorite body horror film? Probably The Brood. Off the top of my head, I really love The Brood. Uh, do you believe it's uh, in the supernatural at all? Not really. No. 
but I'm also not not so uptight that if something legitimately supernatural happened were to me, I would be like, that's not true. That didn't happen. That I'd be like, well, I guess, I guess I was wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, what scares you so much that you wouldn't watch a movie about it? Even if it starred your favorite actors or actor and was made by your favorite director, nothing. Uh, I love film. Um, now I wouldn't watch a movie about real life people pooping in a toilet and throwing it on the wall or something like that, even if it was directed by George Romero and starred Warren Oates, which wouldn't be possible, but I just wouldn't watch that. You know what I mean? Warren Oates is not my favorite, but he's one of my favorites. Like, I'm just saying something crazy and off the wall like that with that, like, combination. You'd be like, I gotta see it, but if it was just that, no. And it's not due to scariness, it's just due to disgustingness. Like, I was like, I can't watch that, you know, if that makes sense to anybody. But uh, I, I wouldn't say. Nothing scares me like that. Not to the extent of not watching a movie. You know, I, it's hard to scare me to be honest. I'm not trying to say that, but it's just, I don't particularly get scared at movies anymore. I mean, I've been freaked out, but it doesn't last very long. You know, I, I, I can acknowledge when something's scary, but it's very hard to stay with you. You know, like people would say, it's like chasing that dragon. You get scared when you're young, but after that, it's really hard to get scared again. So you keep watching and watching and you start noticing other things. You love things about the movies that aren't necessarily just being scared, but yeah, uh, I think that's all the questions. Uh, let me hop into the update. Okay, let's hop into the update. This is kind of a big one, so uh, here we go. Some Amazon orders. I got Shout at the Devil with Lee Marvin and Roger Moore. This is the long version that's almost like two, uh, 150 minutes or is it something like that? This is the longer version. I know that much. Never seen this movie. Looks really cool by the trailer, and uh, I love Lee Marvin, so couldn't say no. Then we have, uh, I didn't have this on Blu-ray. I had the DVD. I had it on Vudu and HD. But uh, you can never have too much Jaws. Jaws is a classic. It's been years since I watched it, but yeah, Jaws. Who doesn't love Jaws? You know, one of the best. Then we have this one that Pierce Cinema Podcast cost me. Uh, they cost me a lot of money. Uh, I think this was Alric Kane, one of his picks from the 80s, uh, early 80s. This is Tightrope with Clint Eastwood. Uh, this look, this sounded really interesting and, you know, almost, I don't think I've ever really seen a bad Clint Eastwood movie. So there we go. Tightrope looks cool. And another one that, uh, pure, uh, cinema podcast cost me that they've been talking about for a while. Sharky's Machine with Burt Reynolds. I think this one's actually directed by Burt Reynolds. So yeah, I guess Henry Silva plays a bad guy in it. I'm looking forward to checking that out. Burt's the man. I haven't seen as many Burt, Burt Reynolds movies as I'd like, but every time I see him, I enjoy him. We got this uh, Stallone triple feature. Uh, there's another one out there that I have, too, that has uh, Cobra and some other ones on there to specialist. This one has Demolition Man with Wesley Snipes and Stallone, which I enjoy. Over the Top, which I don't know if I've ever seen, which is Stallone arm wrestling. And Tango and Cash with Stallone and Kurt Russell, which I've only seen parts of, believe it or not. I actually really like these uh, three-disc uh, Warner Brothers uh, stuff. They got a bunch of them. You know, there's tons of movies. And it's a great deal. Then we have one from Code Red. from uh, Got a Dark uh, Force Entertainment's website, their cartel. Devil Times 5. Love the tagline in this movie. Bought the DVD. Never watched it. Now I have the Blu-ray, so I'll eventually watch it. You know, killer kid movie. Devil Times 5 leaves no one alive. We have uh, Deep Discount had a nice sale on some Blue Underground, so I grabbed a couple I needed. This is uh, The Million Eyes of Sue Murrow. Uh, Muru, whatever. I'm sorry, guys. And The Girl from Rio. My bad. I think one of these is directed by Jess Franco. This is a diabolic, bizarre, uh, sadistic. That's what it says on top. So, yeah. It's a pretty cool, good price, like $10. Then I just bought this DVD. But, yeah, here's the Blu-ray of The Final Countdown. So I upgraded that quick. It's got a bunch of people in it. Kirk Douglas, Martin Sheen. I know Richard Crenn is in it. So, yeah. 
Not seen this one. Time travel. Looks cool. We have H.G. Wells, The Shape of Things to Come. I believe uh, Jack Plants is in this one. Looking forward to checking it out. Blue Underground Science Fiction. Cool stuff. That was at Walmart, and this one was dirt cheap. It comes at night. Really enjoyed this. Have it on Voodoo, but uh, wanted the actual physical release. I, th I really thought this was a great movie. Really, really bleak. Bleak stuff. We have uh, Zodiac, the two-disc director's cut. Amazon had this. You can't even see it because it's a white case on there. White on white. Uh, yeah, they had the director's cut. It was like $5, so I grabbed it. Never seen this one. David uh, Fincher movie. The Towering Inferno. Again, Amazon had a good price on this. I've never seen it, but it's got a great cast. Paul Newman and uh, Steve McQueen. That's weird. I can't imagine them together. It kind of throws me off. But it's got a, It's one of these big disaster movie casts with tons of people in there. So, yeah. Looks cool. Then we got a bunch of Kino. We got the Reincarnation of Peter Proud. This just came out. I ordered it from Bull Moose. Look forward to checking this one out. I've not seen this one. It's got a bunch of features. And then for my Kino sale, this is a slew of stuff here. Dirt cheap, too. I got nine titles for 85 shipped. Burt Lancaster in The Kentuckian. Not seen this one. Don't know much about it. We got Bad Company. I remember this case for years growing up. I even probably had a tape of it somewhere. Just never watched it. Ellen Barkin. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne's in that. Looks cool. For the price, I'm interested for sure. The Ambassador with Robert Mitchum. by uh, Who lives as a J. Lee Thompson who does a bunch of Charles Bronson movies. So yeah, Rock Hudson's also in this. I think that was Alan Burson, which is pretty cool. So, yeah. I love these Kino sales. I heard they're supposed to have a bigger one in uh, June. So, the Will Be Conspiracy. So, if you missed out, don't panic too bad. This looks cool. I think Elroy Kane mentioned this once on Pure Cinema, briefly. But I've had my eye on that one for a long time. The original Thomas Crowned Affair with Faye Dunaway and Steve McQueen. From Kino. We have Special Delivery with uh, Bo Sevson and Sybil Shepard. Always remember Bo from uh, Night Warning. Always such a piece of crap in that movie. Uh, the Soldier. This looks fun. I don't know much about it. $8, $9 action movie on Blu-ray from the 80s or 70s. I'm going for it every time. This one looks ridiculous. This, I believe this is an Anthony Sedaris. This is 7 William Smith's looking jacked on that case, guys. This movie looks ridiculous. It's like, I don't know, it looks like a lot of fun. Can't wait to watch that one, actually. And then we have uh, Prizzy's Honor with Jack Nicholson. So, couldn't pass up Jack. So, I, I think I got a nice little bundle there. Directed by John Huston. So, yeah. That's my update. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Back to the video. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed the update. Hope you enjoyed all the video and all the uh, uh, um, reviews and whatnot. And uh, if you have any comments or concerns or not, please leave a comment below at the Screaming Toilet or the YouTube. And uh, as always, thank you very much, guys, for watching, and you guys have a good one.